It is good to be here with you this morning. Uh, I hope that as you looked at the bulletin and you saw that we were going to be talking about Psalm 119, that that did not instill panic in you. Psalm 119 has a mere 176 verses, and we're going to read and talk about every one of them. I'm just kidding. We're going to talk about a few parts of Psalm 119. Um, it's a beautiful portion of the Psalms. Psalm 119 is an acrostic poem. So every line, every segment starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And though it has 176 verses, it really has one main idea. God's law, God's teaching is good. God's word, his teaching, his laws are the foundation for wholeness in this life. Listen to these words. I'm going to pick a few verses out of Psalm 119, so I encourage you just to even close your eyes and listen to these words of God. Verse 9, how can a young man stay pure? By living according to your words. With my whole heart, Lord, I seek you. Don't let me wander from your commands. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Verse 28, my soul melts away with sorrow. Strengthen me with your word. Verse 93 says, I will not forget your teaching. Your words have given me life. Verse 101 says, I stay away from evil. I delight in your word. And 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet. You, Lord, light my path. Verse 136, my eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your laws. Verse 156, great is your mercy, God. You give me life by your rules. Verse 176, I've gone astray like a sheep. Seek me out, God, for I do not forget your commands. Psalm 119 reminds us that in order to live a life as God intended, we are to meditate on his words. We are to be obedient to his commands. God's paths are true, right, noble, merciful. The law, which can be translated teachings or instructions as well, the law is what teaches us how to love God and how to love each other. See, it gives us our identity as God's people. The law and the teachings of God, in the Old Testament especially, were the basis of what it meant to establish life together. How do we live life together? We need rules for that. Teaches us how to live in community with one another. Teaches us how to love. Love each other like God loves us. The teachings and the laws of God gave people their identity. Psalm 119 shows that this is what a life of love looks like. It looks like love and obedience to God's commands. And as I hear those words, I think first of how beautiful that picture is. God's people constantly, daily leaning in to God's teaching and God's instructions and letting that be what transforms their lives. But I have to think, why doesn't every day of our life look like this? Why doesn't every day of our life look like Psalm 119, a complete dependence and love and and 
falling on God's laws for us. Maybe we can echo the later words of the psalmist. We love God's word. We want to seek to know it, but we're also like sheep. We've gone astray. We've wandered. Our humanity gets in the way. When I think about me personally, what's, what holds me back from having a life that looks just like Psalm 119 every day, I have to come face to face with my own pride, my own selfishness, my own desire to do my own thing and have my way. I feel the tension that Paul talks about in Romans 7 when he says, I don't do what I want to do, and I want to do that what I don't do. Now, maybe I'm fully aware I might be the only one who feels that tension in this room, but maybe I'm not. Maybe you too feel that tension of living out your God-given identity as his creation. Maybe that wrestles with a life of frustration and disappointment, short tempers, prideful thoughts, wrong motives. Maybe we can all identify with the psalmist when he says, we're like sheep, we're prone to wander, but our desire, we want to crave your life, your words, your laws, your love. Nowhere do we see this struggle more clearly than in the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to turn from Psalm 119 to Jeremiah 31. I'll give you a minute to turn there. This is a story of God's people and their exile from Israel and then their later return. The whole book of Jeremiah walks through a part of history that took place in the late 500s B.C. when Jerusalem was destroyed not one time but twice. And the people of Israel were taken away. They were sent out of their homeland, out of their households, and they were sent to the land of Babylon. This is what's known as the Babylonian captivity, and it, they were there for 70 years. Now, this was Israel. This was people who had covenanted with God several times. All through the Old Testament, we see evidence of God initiating covenants with his people. Now, a covenant is an agreement between two parties. Generally involves one party making a deal, promises, and the other party agreeing to that and agreeing to hold up their end of the bargain. And a covenant is made with the good of the other person in mind. In Genesis, a few examples, we see a covenant with Abraham and God where God told him he would lead him, Genesis 12, and make his his descendants numerous. That was a covenant for Abraham's good. Most recently in the history of Jeremiah, we see the covenant made at Mount Sinai, where God told the people of Israel right after he led them through the Red Sea and out of slavery, you will be my people and I will be your God. God claimed Israel as his people and this was for Israel's good. It was for their benefit. So now... They're in captivity. Again, God, I thought you said, what about the part that we are your people? And here we are in captivity. I can hear them grumbling and asking that question. Well, in Jeremiah 31, we see God answering that. Yes, you are my people, and I am your God. And because that's true, I'm going to do something even better, even more than I've done before. So let's look together at Jeremiah 31, 
I'm going to read 31 through 34. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. See, the exiles had a cycle. They had a cycle with God. He would do something great for them and bless them, and they would live into that blessing for a little while, and then they would mess up, get in trouble, and need rescuing again. And God would help them, bless them. They would live into that for a little while, and then they would mess up again and need rescuing, and God would come help them. This pattern is all throughout the Old Testament. And here, Jeremiah is telling the people of Israel and Judah, all of God's people, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something deeper. Simply restoring the land and possessions is not going to be enough. I'm going to do an even better thing. The people wanted God to restore their position, and God wanted to restore their purpose. For in these verses, God promises to heal them from the inside out, not just to change their outward circumstances, but to change something within them. He promises to brand their hearts with himself. This passage is referred to by scholars and theologians as the new covenant. This was like God's covenant at Mount Sinai with the Israelites in that God initiated it, he claimed the Israelites as his people, but this covenant was different. So let's look at how a little bit. In verse 32, God says, this covenant is not going to be like the old one. He has a new way of doing things. God said, there's a new way of doing things, and it's going to involve me putting my law in them and writing my word on their hearts. See, here we see God go deeper he goes beyond the outward behavior of keeping the rules. He didn't do away with the rules, but now he's made his laws and his teachings rules also of the heart. Whereas before people struggled externally to just keep the law, God was now bringing fullness to his law by going deeper, by making obedience an inward heart issue. We obey not to get God's love, but because we are loved by God. See, God was going straight for the heart. God would be able to be known. The focus of this word was on the, the fact that God wanted to know his people and that all people could know him. It was real. It was relational. It was personal to each individual. But the invitation was given to the whole group of people, to everyone. See, God's plan from the very beginning 
was that his people be in a relationship with him. And that through that relationship, he would give us the power and the ability to be obedient to his word and to be known by him and to know him. God desired participatory experience. From the very beginning, God wanted us to be a participant in his love. See, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, we see people relating to God primarily through participating in his teachings and obeying his law. That's how people related to God. But even then, we see some people resisting, aligning themselves to God's laws and God's teaching. And we begin to see that cycle of obedience and disobedience circle through the history of Israel. We see it in the Israelites' history, but we might see that in our own history as well. But even then, we see God doing for the people what they could not do for themselves. We see exiles being brought home. We see brokenness being restored and being redeemed. And with this new covenant, we see God making a way to be known. We see God putting his teaching, his word, writing that on our hearts. We see God enabling us, giving us the ability to experience the full life that a relationship with him provides. We see God giving the people a new way to be his people, a way that was not focused on outward obedience alone, but was focused also on a heart transformation and forgiveness. Through the new covenant, we see God telling us that salvation is a participatory experience. It's not through simple obedience to God's laws. It's through knowing and being known. It's through the readiness and the willingness to be in a relationship with God. In the new covenant, we can't help but see Jesus. That's what living in the new covenant looks like. It looks like Jesus. Because in Jesus Christ, we have God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In Jesus, we have the invitation personally to us, but given to all, to be in a relationship with God. In Jesus, we see God restoring what is broken, bringing freedom to those in captivity, bringing back to himself what has wandered away. In Jesus, we see God ushering us into this new covenant relationship, throwing his arms open wide and reminding us what it's like to be forgiven. The writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 9, 15 through 17 that Christ was the last and complete sacrifice for the weightiness of our sins. Our sinfulness that deserves death was wiped out with Christ's death and resurrection. We don't have to try to do it by ourselves any longer. We can live in the fullness of God right here through Jesus Christ. But I think sometimes in order to really realize that, we sometimes have to get to the point where the exiles of Jeremiah were. Hopeless, seeing no way to go forward. When we've wandered for so long on our own, then we're ready to hear the words of the new covenant. When we have fallen time and time again, we're exhausted by our own efforts. 
when we're tired of trying so hard to be good enough, then we're ready to hear the words of the new covenant. And when we experience that relationship through Jesus, living out a life like Jesus, I think we can't help but want more. We want more of Jesus, and we want more of Jesus for those around us. That's what it means to live out a new covenant, a new covenant relationship with God and with God's people. It's living a life that looks like Jesus. 